and welcome to the Cambridge Connection, your roadmap to debt solutions and renewed financial wellness with your host, Gordon Oliver. The Cambridge Connection is brought to you in partnership with Cambridge Credit Counseling, offering you simple, safe financial solutions since 1996. Welcome, everyone, to the Cambridge Connection. I'm your host, Gordon Oliver, here on 101.5 FM, 1400 AM, WHMP, and got breaking news for you today. In the chair is my co-pilot, Tina Marie. How are you? Welcome back. back. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Oh, you know, life is grand. I I know, but I I hear you uh, really held it down while I was gone. Uh, You know, you've made it so easy for me, (laughs) and and I missed you so much. So now that you're here again, I feel whole and complete. (laughs) You never disappoint me. (laughs) I try not to. I try not to. So, um, obviously have a lot to catch up on yes but in the business that you're in counseling people this debt Mm. situation changes but not really much it's it's a different look but not really for the work that you do to counsel people right we i mean obviously we're really busy with the um the consumers that are using their credit cards much more than than they have before so yeah keeping us headlines for that to talk about in a little bit later in the show okay um important discussion we need to have, though, and I'm going to break this down for everybody. On August 24th, the White House unveiled its plan to forgive significant portions of federal student loans for millions of Americans. Yes. At the same time, the pause on the student loans, so for two and a half years, people have not had to pay their payments and they've been at 0% on federal loans. Correct. So they've extended that now again to December 31st. And we had conversations back months ago that every time this deadline came up, we're like, oh, man, people are going to have to start paying their student loans again. Mm-hmm. And and inflation was happening. The economy is kind of going the wrong way. And now here we are again yeah. where a lot of the stats and a lot of the, the outreach for help has increased and they still don't have to pay the student loans yet. So what happens in January when they have to start paying again? Deja vu, right? Yeah, that's what it feels like. Yeah, absolutely. So so the I want to kind of quickly summarize and break down for our listeners what the announcement was. So- if you make less than $125,000 or you're a couple that makes less than $250,000, the forgiveness options off of the balance of your loan, it is not a check, it is not stimulus, people are not getting that money in the mail, it's going to come off of their the balance. balance that they owe. Right. So it's either 10000 or 20000 for people that had Pell Grants and those types of loans. Mm-hmm. So the details still are coming out on the actual, de- you know, of how people will qualify for it. It's my understanding that there's going to be an application process, which already alarms me. Mm. How do they not know every account holder that has a federal loan, they can't just apply the money to the loan balance, right? Well, you know, it's funny you should bring that up because I thought I did read that. Um, I was looking into something and they were saying that there's no need to contact anyone just yet. Um, of course, because they still haven't given the details. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right? So so it seems like I, uh, Marty Lynch, yes, director of education, uh, put out some information and I think he's going to continue to update on social media and different areas about these um, changes or actual finite details Mm -hmm. that come with this program. But um, for the concern for me is obviously if people have to apply, I think the number I saw was 8 million people or so will not have to apply. And the rest of the 45 million will need to put some form of application. And unfortunately, you know it and I know it. It's just like the waiver process that's in place until Halloween. Sure, People are going to miss the boat. They're not going to apply. And again, we'll see where this all goes. I, I really hope there's different opinions out there. People are mad if yeah. they refinance their loans with a private lender. They're not getting the money. If they pay, use their equity in their home to do it, 
they're, they're not getting the money. And people and that paid off their loans in full aren't getting the money. So there's back. a lot of yeah. a lot of energy uh, in this uh, conversation about student loans again and again and again. And this seems like a small fix, in my opinion. And I've posted this on Twitter. I've asked Senator Warren, didn't get an answer. Mm. At Gordon O'Cares on Twitter, how are we fixing the problem? Like we're, this is a band aid again. But where is any information about how they're going to fix the cost of college and that an 18 year old is making a huge, reference. huge exactly. bill investment debt that mm-hmm. they don't even understand what it feels like to pay when exactly. you get out of college and you need to have a roof over your head, uh, have an automobile for transportation to get to work, utilities, groceries, everything costs Financial more. Financial education. That, that's it, what it comes down to. And, you know, Gordon, I was actually um, reading 13 states right now are going to incorporate tax on the student loan forgiveness Anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars. So that's something that you know I, I don't remember hearing about. And then again, things that you have to look into because if you're if you're forgiven, and now you owe the tax and you don't know you owe the tax, now we're looking at penalties and and uh, all the above, <laughs> right? So so this ended, is yeah. the life that we're in and giving advice here. Things are constantly being unpacked and unfolding. If you, our listeners, have any questions, feel free to email us at connect at cambridgecredit.org with your questions, and we can either get an answer to you via email or have a certified counselor reach out to you. So, Tina, I could keep going here, and I think we have our special guest joining us in the next conversation. So I think we'll take a quick break, and we'll talk about this in more future uh, shows because, again, more and more information will be coming back. This is Gordon Oliver with The Cambridge Connection. We'll be right back. Are the rise in prices for gas and other expenses crushing your budget? Cambridge's typical clients save $140 per month while paying down their credit card debt at much lower interest rates. Call 1-800-CAMBRIDGE. Welcome back, everyone, to The Cambridge Connection. I'm your host here with my co-pilot, thankfully. She's been, obviously, MIA for a little while, so so glad to have you back in the chair. So nice to be back. And obviously, we talked about the new student loan announcement, and we've been talking about the economy, and it's my pleasure and my honor to introduce our special guest, Brent Hines, who's the Chief Development Officer of the Foundation for Financial Wellness. Welcome, Brent. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Listen, there's no more uh, important times. This show is about financial wisdom, financial wellness, financial empowerment, and obviously no better time to be talking about people's financial status in the economic times that we're in. So before we get into that, could you please tell our listeners, family and friends, about your career and what got you to where you are today? Yeah, ha- happy to. Um, the, the short, short version, Gordon, is uh, grew up a poor kid, single mom, had a terrible relationship with money. That's terminology we use today, not terminology we used back then. Um, worked my way through college, first person in our family to go, kind of had that the enormous proverbial chip on my shoulder, going to prove the world wrong, get mom out of the uh, bouncing from apartment to apart- apartment, living paycheck to paycheck kind of lifestyle, socioeconomically related, and um, went into the world of financial advising. So today I half joke that I'm a recovering financial advisor. <laughs> had a lot of success right out of the gate um, doing that, which was fortunate. Uh, learned the hard way that earning more income uh, almost always adds to the problem. It doesn't solve the problem. Um, so I had some learning to do as a young man as to what it is that I really wanted money and wealth and all things related to debt and credit, that there's so much more than just what I had taken from the business school with a degree in finance. There was this human element. And I would always say, man, I really should have majored in psychology and minored in 
finance just to be as, as much help as possible to people who we were working with. So the financial services industry really is kind of a broke model, at least the old way of doing it, in my opinion, because as I look back and I think about the work that I was doing back in that former life, um, <laughs> told someone last week that I, lo- I looked up one morning and realized I-, I managed money for unappreciative rich white guys. Nope. <laughs> this is not fulfilling. This is, this is not the dream. And, and I'm answering for a market that I can't control. You know, so like, what are we doing here? So I had this big life event. Okay, our life melted down personally, professionally. It was scary. I had two young, young, young kids at home and, and my wife, Amy, and had to start over in 08 as the market's melting down. So hopefully that's very relatable to a lot of people out there who were, you know, adulting in 2008 and beyond. And uh, we ended up creating, long story made very, very short, the Foundation for Financial Wellness. Um, today we're a 501c3 an educational nonprofit, and we are truly built on a wellness chassis, and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about that today. But we mean both words, financial and wellness. Um, that came to be when we were doing educational workshops, like financial literacy movement around 2010. We were fortunate enough that um, I seemed to be able to talk my way into parties I wasn't invited to. And uh, I talked our way into NASA, of all places, Johnson Space Center. Wow. Um, At the time, the only reason we got in was because at the time, the brand new Obama administration had just announced that they were going to mothball the space shuttle program. You can kind of think back to those days. Yep. And there was going to be a lot of, a lot of layoffs. Like they were expecting five to 7,000 layoffs in the 18 month window. So like think from like an HR and a liability standpoint and stress and like awful culture, right? uh, On site. So I was just the right guy at the right time, right message. They let me come in. We've always taught from a behavioral economic standpoint that is total geekdom to most everybody who is, like, emotionally healthy. But we, like, love it. And I just geek out on that intersection of psychology and money. Like, why do we do the things we do as individuals, as families, as communities, as a nation? Why do we do the things we do with money? It's not because of a lack of know-how or a lack of access to the information like we literally have everything we need to know in the palm of our hand today so why are we misbehaving so often well you why brought up just as a way of life yeah and you brought up uh the wisdom aspect of this right and I, we've said before on this show that you don't become a master in martial arts until you go through the process of learning to be able to conduct yourself with the greatest sharpest skills and the financial literacy term is so overabused that that's what the issue is. Um, we're not short of information. And I completely agree with you that mentality and behavior have so much to do with the relationship with money. That's our sermon, Gordon Like We preach it, preach it, preach it everywhere we go. Um, and it's so interesting. It was because when we were at NASA, we learned the power of behavior change and the science of it. Coincidentally, because we met the lady who ran the wellness program there, we weren't talking behavior change. Well, that behavioral economics, we were kind of scratching the surface. But when we met um, a lady by the name of Karen Myers, she's literally a rocket scientist at NASA, has degrees in things I can't pronounce. <laughs> um, she hosted a class through the wellness program, and we taught our behavioral economics course. And the, the point of me telling you this is because our model is, I don't know if you're familiar with the be, do, have methodology. Um, you could you could look at it linear, left to right. You could look at it like in a, a circular, like, you know, a recycled uh, uh, circuit. Some people put it on a triangle, three corners, but it's be, do, and have. And most 
everything finance related or financial literacy related goes straight to the have. Like, I want to have the know-how, the X's and O's, the nuts and bolts. Like, we can talk about, you know, mutual fund stocks, annuities, life insurance. We can talk about all that stuff. Um, but if we don't have the prior two pieces in place, we really don't have a foundation to launch from. So we take a step back and go, hey, be, do, have. Let's go to the, be, the doing. Those are the behaviors. And, and we say that there's really three behavior types. There's good behavior, bad behavior, and then probably the most dangerous is the missing behaviors. Because when there are missing behaviors – it's just a natural law of humanity. There is a default. It's, it's built. Like, money is in motion whether you like it or, or no or not. Like, things are happening, and there is a default option if you're not being proactive. And if we want to understand those behaviors, we've got to take the additional step back and go to the B of B do have, how we're being, how we show up, or how we think, um, you know, our relationship with money, debt, credit, all things finance. So many of those beliefs, the psychologists would call them scripts or tapes or records, uh, for, for anyone under 30, like in thinking P4, um, those are given to us when we're little. Like uh, our authoritative figures mold and shape our belief about money. Yep. Is it of abundance? Is it scarce? Is it for blessing others? Is it for spending? Is, it, is there enough at the end of the month? Is it for hoarding? Like there's so many different variations of how we think about and believe and beliefs we have about money that directly impact our behaviors, like a one-to-one correlation nearly. And that's what drives our, our, our outcomes, our haves. Money amongst so, other things, sorry, right? That's right. Exactly. Be do have applies to nearly everything in life. All right. Listen, we're up against a hard break. I would like to hold you over, if you don't mind, so you can break down the foundation, what it does, and some advice for consumers, how to contact you, etc. So we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Gordon Oliver with The Cambridge Connection. Well, Tina Marie, here we are, already in our mid-30s. Um, have you checked your license lately? You're a far cry from being in your mid-30s. No, no, not me. Our show, The Cambridge Connection. We're already more than halfway through our first year of great guests and need-to-know topics. Oh, I thought you were talking about your age. (laughs) Well, that would take a lot longer than we have in this message, but what only takes a moment to share is that if you miss any of our shows on Saturdays on WHMP, don't worry. You can go to whmp.com, click on podcasts, and all of our shows are listed there. Plus, listeners can find us on all the podcast sites where they listen to their favorite podcast. Well, when I get home, I'm going to listen to my favorite episode. And what's that? You know, the one with me in it. Ha! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Cambridge Connection. I'm your host, Gordon Oliver, here with my long-missed co-pilot, Tina Marie, and our special guest, Brent Hines. He's the Chief Development Officer for the Foundation for Financial Wellness, and in our economic times, no more important of a conversation than we are having. Brent, thank you for joining the show. Now, in the Foundation for Financial Wellness, can you give some advice on the things that you do that people could use your services for? Well, I, I would say this: almost the entire financial industry is using the term financial wellness, and I would say 95% of them don't mean it or don't know what it means. And I, I don't mean <laughs> so, to take shots no. at our entire industry, but... Break it down for it, us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so it needs to be comprehensive. It needs to be inclusive. It, it must meet everyone where they're at. Like, these are our core beliefs. Um, so whether you're just starting out or whether, whether maybe you're not starting out, but you really, you, you've dug a hole here or you've been put in a hole, or maybe you're nearing retirement, or maybe you're in retirement and you're thinking about what kind of legacy do I want to leave? Like all of those demographics have different needs, and plenty of them, by the way, for financial wellness. If, if I know what financial wellness in our world is a combination of, of education, but it's also 
It needs to include resources, uh, counseling, one-on-one counseling, technology, um, like a trusted referral base when you do need somebody to help you implement on any of these topics. Um, it can't just be sitting in front of a DVD or a, a, a streaming service and listening to some blowhard know-it-all shame you. Mm. It just can't be that. So the, the foundation goes out to the world at this point, um, and we typically either go through employers, some kind of organization, sometimes associations, and we become like a member benefit or an employee benefit, but we're also available to individuals who want to come check us out as well. They can come inside of our community. That was very intentional. COVID taught us that, like, crystal clear. We're built, like, we're wired for community, and we believe most others are as well. So we created a membership model that has, you know, uh, self-paced, pre-recorded, all the resources, but also has, like, live stream and then some in-person events. So, like, there's a lot of energy and, again, like, interaction with one another and answering each other's questions and, hey, what did you think about this? Or does somebody have a good resource for that? Um, so, you know, we've created this ecosystem that people are accessing either through their employer or an association, or they can come to us directly. Um, all, all, however they come to us, we want them all to have the same experience. It's non-solicitous, it's absolutely unbiased, and it's completely comprehensive on all of the topics, regardless of age or stage. So when, when somebody comes to you, uh, and you said all different types of people and financial goals, where, where does it start? So we have developed, I'm glad you asked, uh, we've developed a personal financial assessment. And it, it's not good, it's not bad. Think of it as a money x-ray. It just is, right? So it, you come in and you get a baseline. And not everyone's the same. And it's not like you're looking, there's no scoring. It's just telling you where, you, where you're at, like on your financial wellness journey, on any of these given uh, topics from, from cradle to grave, literally, and recommended paths of education and actions to take. So where we look up and find ourselves as a nation to today, um, you guys at Cambridge are well aware of this. People are hurting right now, and um, there doesn't seem to be light at the end of the tunnel at this, at this moment. Um, so having somewhere where they can go, like a trusted resource, somebody to lean on, literally sometimes a shoulder to cry on, um, what's going on, what have I done, how do I get out of it, how do I, stay, how do I keep myself and all my family safe? Um, this, the personal financial assessment, uh, when you come into our ecosystem, um, it, it, it will give that baseline measurement. And then if you choose to take advantage of our counseling, which, which Cambridge does as well, um, that counselor has a starting point with you. You can dive right into, okay, let's start getting you well. You brought up the uh, the shame part of this, and I, I think um, part of, you know, the sponsor of the show is Cambridge Credit Counseling, and they work, too, to for their counseling services to get into employee benefits because, and I saw a headline in Fortune, that low-wage employees report high levels of financial stress, and to your point, if there's shame there, they're probably not talking to HR about it. There's no benefit that the employer has to help with it, so you've got an employee kind of stuck at work, not happy, kind of miserable. It probably affects morale, productivity, quality of product. Um, so the mental aspect of, that I love that you get into is all about solving not just the financial piece, but the mental approach or feeling that people have dealing with the relationship of money. That's exactly right. I, I'm fortunate I get invited to come give um, keynote addresses oftentimes, whether it be in the wellness industry or the financial industry, or sometimes just the corporate industry of 
how can we best serve our people? And then how can we also like increase productivity, increase uh, employee engagement, lower, less in turnover, lower health costs? Like 71, according to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, 71% of employees in the U.S. state that financial matters is their number one cause of stress. Yep. Like it's the elephant in the room. And employees are admitting it's a distraction at, at work. Um, a little company, consulting company called Mercer, <laughs> um, insert sarcasm here. Wow. They came out with a, a, a report recently that said 13 hours a month are lost to employees being unproductive due to financial concerns. I, I would, I would have thought that hours would have been higher. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's extraordinary, yeah. for sure. Yeah. But like, this is. Do the math. 13 times, yeah. This is why. Uh, again, having you on, we can't possibly cover everything on this show. So, of course, I would love to have you back because there's just so much information that we can provide. And again, it's not a document. It's not a go create your budget because we know, obviously, those things take work and people. That's not the only answer. You've got to look at how you approach money to your point, how we've been indoctrinated on how we feel about it. Um, so there's so much to talk about. And um, before I let you go, I'd like to give you the opportunity to let our listeners, family, and friends know how they can get involved, how they can find you, how they can call with questions or understanding about the services you offer? Yeah, thank you. Um, if, if, if we're talking about you, come to the website. That's a terrific place to start, foundationforfinancialwellness.org. If you're thinking about your organization or your, your coworkers or maybe a spouse or another family member, Think about introducing the concept of financial wellness and, and the you know, shameless plug, the foundation for financial wellness. Mention it to your employer. Um, we literally have, uh, Gordon, a no-cost, like, free option for individuals and or employers to start with. It's our core membership. It's, it brings a ton of value. Of course, we have premium-level tiers as well, but you don't have to go there. You could come in and get started at literally no cost. Um, the assessment I mentioned is included in there. Um, your organizations that, that you're a member of, your church, your charity. Um, we have taught in anywhere where people congregate, um, this is a topic of interest. And oftentimes it's the number one requested topic when employees are asked, hey, what do you want more um, advice, help, or guidance with? So come check us out at the website. Mention it to your employer. Mention it to your church. Um, we can't talk about this enough right, right now. And, um, Gordon, you, you, you guys are in the same dugout with us. Um, you guys are doing great, great work, and we appreciate our relationship with you and, and you having us on the show today, too. Again, people need us more than ever uh, to have these dialogues, to push people in the direction of taking action, and um, we'll, we'd love to have you back on the show again to talk more about this because you can't do it enough, especially in hard times when the cost of everything is rising and people are getting in more and more trouble. So, again, I'm so grateful to have you on the show. And um, I'll get in touch with you so we can get you back on in the near future. Thank you, Gordon. All right, we're going to take a quick break. This is Gordon Oliver with The Cambridge Connection. We'll be right back. From the mind of TEDx presenter, former top financial advisor, and international speaker, Brent Hines, the Foundation for Financial Wellness is the gold standard in the financial wellness industry. Recognized by the National Wellness Institute and NASA, the Foundation is a nonprofit. With an award-winning approach in adult learning theory and positive behavior change, our stance is clear. When we say financial wellness, we mean both words. Join our complimentary core or premium membership at foundationforfinancialwellness.org. That's foundationforfinancialwellness.org. Welcome back, everyone, to The Cambridge Connection, here with my absent co-host for a while, Tina Marie. Tina, again, um, 
I think the guests on the program just really okay. solidify what this show is all about. Absolutely. I mean, he touched on it. The the behavior changes that that consumers might not even realize they need to make to, to just simply educate themselves and put them in a better financial position. Yep. And on a quick side note, I, I always heard on programs when they said, you know, off mic, mm-hmm. right? You have things that you're passionate about. And our producer, Drinking Liquid Death, <laughs> had some things to say about what we're talking about. Yeah, because she's... there's a culture out there that, that needs to shift. There's no question about it. Yes. Especially in the employment realm, the, the cultures need to shift at this point. The excuse now that we can't get employees, there's reasons behind that, needs to be looked into. Right. No, and, and Leah Leah was right on point when she had mentioned, you know, you, you make the employees happy, you're going to get more productivity out of them. However, you know, there's also guidelines and rules so <laughs> and and again this is why it has to be dialogue to find common ground sure because through the pandemic many businesses went out of business exactly so you've got the business owner's perspective or the mm-hmm. shareholder's perspective or the board of directors perspective mm-hmm. to run the business and then you got the people doing the work without them you don't do it you're not running the business right and, so, and let's you know obviously the great resignation um, and which, I, ironically enough, I was just um, listening to uh, the other day. They were saying that a lot of these employees that did resign during the uh, during COVID actually are regretting it at this point. It, you know, the grass isn't always greener on no. the other side, but it's just important to use communication. You know, communicate with your employer. Employers communicate with your employees, and and it can go a long way. It really can. Many of the mistakes that I've made in my life have been emotional. Mm-hmm. triggered, mm-hmm. not calculated. And okay. this is one of those things that you really need to know what you're doing and have yes. a plan of attack. And I like that Brent brought up the mental aspect of this, right? So we all have programming yes. that there are techniques and things that you can do to not erase it, but reprogram how you think. Sure. And the money relationship, it's one that's ever changing and you just have to put some time and work there. Always learning. It's not There's, just about the money comes in and it goes out. Right. It's learning how to have that relationship and, and how to do it. And with it. the changes in, in the financial industry, there's always more to learn. Always. Always. Mm-hmm. always. And the the guests, oh, by the way, we're coming up on, on our one-year anniversary. I'm excited. And the list of guests have been incredible up to this one-year anniversary. Yes. And we're going to keep bringing some of the same guests on to talk about the economic culture that we're in. And, and together do our job to really get the best information we can get out for our listeners. Um, I'm proud of what we've done here. You've That's been what a, we're here you've for. You've been a tremendous friend and asset in getting uh, this program. I've missed you to so where much, it is. Gordon. I know. I'm going to start crying <laughs> soon, but I'm going to try to get out of the show before I wah, do. Wah, wah. All right. So obviously we talked about the student loan issue. So I brought a quote because this is something that I am on. Um, we've got to fix the problem. We can't just band-aid it with right. taxpayers' money and not have it be fixed. By making college unaffordable and student loans unbearable, we risk deterring our best and brightest from pursuing higher education and securing a good paying job. Mark Pocan. Mm-hmm. Well, again, it's time to close the show. A huge thank you to our producers, Leah and Lisa, for everything they do to help us produce and pull off the show. As mentioned, we have great experts on the horizon, and we proved that over time. So join us on Saturdays at 9.30 a.m. And if you've missed any shows or you've simply missed us like I've missed Tina Marie the past month, go to whmp.com, click on podcasts, and you can listen to any of the previous shows. Or you can go to places like Spotify where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Once again, be part of the conversation by emailing us at connect at cambridgecredit.org or feel free to call 1-800-CAMBRIDGE.